Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Man, we are excited to continue this morning and um, I'm really excited to have a special friend joining us. Uh, could you guys on the count of three say, hey Lissy, one, two, three. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Thank you, thanks so much for having me. So, uh, Lissy, you've never been to Impact before. No, I haven't. Yeah, and so this past fall, uh, I was in Orlando, an event you were at, mm -hmm. and got to hear Lissy just share some things that God's kind of been doing in your heart and your life, and Laura, Cavanis and are together, some of our other uh, next-gen team from our church, and uh, I just we both kind of live here, like, we need to figure out a way, if we can, to be able to get you to be a part of this, and so I'm mm -hmm. just glad that the Lord's worked it out. And so what we want to do during the session is really have a conversation about what does it mean to be a stranger in an exile in just a completely um, er different area of life that we don't normally talk about or think about, uh, specifically our homes. And so that, that's what we're going to do this morning. But I'd love for you to take a minute and just introduce yourself to us, kind of what's who you are and where you're from, and if there's any interesting facts you want us to know, yeah. that would be yeah. awesome. So my name is Lissy Reno. I am 20 years old. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, but right now I'm currently going to Lipscomb University in Nashville. Um, this is my second year there. I actually took a gap year after high school, and so I spent half the year at home, um, and God really did a lot to me during that time, those few months that I had um, after graduating high school, and I'll share more about that. And then the other half of the year, I actually had the privilege of working with a ministry in Scotland for a few months and working in a public high school and working with students. So and then I ended up at Lipscomb the next year. That's awesome. And for those of you guys who are high school seniors in the room or college students, uh, we actually have a special lunch after this just for you, and Lizzie's gonna be sharing a little bit more about that journey and kind of what mm -hmm. the Lord did in her life there. So the topic we want to talk about this morning, we've been talking about strangers and exiles. If you follow Jesus, your life is going to look different than the world around you. It's a different trajectory, and you know, Hebrews 11 gives all these people who are heroes of the faith, and it says about them that they were strangers and exiles in this world, living for a different home, living for a different world. And what we talked about last night is if, if you follow Jesus the way that Jesus commands us to follow him, this world is going to exile you. It, they are gonna be the ones to push us out. They're gonna be the ones to push us to the margins because they're not gonna understand what we believe and why we follow this Jesus. And it looks so different. Uh, and so we've been talking about embracing this life, walking this life, and today we wanted to be able to take some time to talk through, okay, if we're gonna walk that path, what are some defining markers that, that need to be happening in our lives that we see in scripture and in the early church? And we talked about loving the church being one of those. Uh, a few minutes ago, I mentioned loving the lost, loving the nations. We're gonna be talking about that this afternoon. Uh, but one specific area where it looks like, and you're gonna be a stranger, you're gonna be in exile, you're gonna look like a weirdo if you follow Jesus faithfully, is at home, with your family, with your parents. Can, can we just be honest for a second? Would anybody else agree with me and say that some of the hardest people to love are your family members, your siblings, your parents sometime? Okay, amen to that. And guess what? They think the same thing about you, okay? So it, it goes both ways. But the gospel is such an amazing thing. It doesn't just transform certain areas of our life, it transforms our whole life. And the gospel actually begins transforming the way that we live and we love at home and around us and around us before it goes out around us. And so 
Lissy is gonna be sharing a little bit of her journey in that. And so I just wanna encourage you guys to take notes, to lean in. She's gonna give you some practical thoughts to think through, some scripture passages that go into this. But this is all throughout the Bible, guys, especially like in Ephesians chapter six. Paul speaks directly to parents, to husbands, wives, but then he speaks to children. I know you guys might say, well, I'm not a child, but to, to us, to your generation. And the message that he gives to your generation, you can look it up, Ephesians six, one through four, is to honor your father and mother. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it has to begin at home. So I'd love for you uh, to share a little bit of your journey and how the Lord began forming some of these convictions in your heart, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, I mean, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, so I went to youth group. I went to all the things. I went to a Christian school in high school. And I remember hearing all of these messages given, whether that be in chapel services or in church, but I never heard a message about what it meant to be a Christian at home and to honor my parents and love my siblings and be a servant leader in my house. And our homes, that's the hardest place to be a Christian. I remember my senior year of high school, I was always kind of like the good kid on kind of with my friends at school and I would always have teachers and people come up to me and say, oh, Lissy, like you're so great. You're so mature, you're so wise, you're so this, this, and this. And at home, my parents were like, okay, Lissy, um, you were a little rude to your sister yesterday. You're a little self-absorbed right now. You're a little selfish in these areas. And I finally got to this point of frustration where I was like, oh my goodness, mom and dad, everyone else just tells me how great I am. Why can't you just sort of hop on the bandwagon and agree once? Because I was feeling this constant like criticism of what I was doing wrong at home. And God really had to do a work in my heart, and this phrase kind of kept coming to my mind that who you are at home is who you really are. And it took a while for that to sink in for me, but who you are at home is who you really are. All of my selfishness and rudeness to my family during high school, that was the real me. It wasn't the person at church or at school or with my friends. And my family gets the absolute worst of my personality. Like if they were here, they would tell you that. Like that's where my true character, my true self is revealed. And so where God really began convicting me and moving me is that to be a Christian, to live for Christ, it starts in our hearts and it starts in our homes with the people that God has put right in front of us. And those are the people that are hardest to love, really. And so that growth to become like Christ, that, that walk of faith, it starts at homes and it starts with our mission with our families. So good. Who you are really is who you are at home. I, I think that a lot of us feel the pull and the tug, and we're gonna talk about this, I think even one of your breakout this mm -hmm. afternoon, about how so much of what we wanna project of ourselves is probably not who we really are, uh, mm -hmm. but the people around us who know us best really know us. and so. If, if we're called to be the light of the gospel at home, if we're called to, to love our families, and, and I love the way that you put that, I'd love for you to talk to us about what does that look like practically? Would you mind just to talk about what does honor look yeah. like in the home? Why does that matter to us? What does honor even mean? Yeah, absolutely. So can you raise your hand if you've heard of the fifth commandment? Fifth commandment. Yeah. I mean, pretty familiar. You literally said it earlier, like honor your father and mother. And for the longest time, I mean, like I said, I was a pastor's kid. I wasn't rebellious, I was fairly obedient, I did what I was told. But 
really where God started to convict me is that you can have obedience with a dishonoring heart behind it. And in the fifth commandment, we're not just called to obey our parents, but we're called to honor them. And honor combines our actions and our attitudes. And it actually starts with our attitudes. So kind of an example of this, and this happened all the time while I was in high school. So say like, it's after dinner time. And oh, I forgot to say, I'm, I'm part of a really big family. So I'm one of seven kids. And so I'm number two in kind of the order. And so after dinner, like the job of doing the dishes is like the job that absolutely no one wants. Like it's terrible. Especially like, with the family. Yeah, nine, with not people yeah. and that amount of dishes, like it's just awful. And so say my mom asked me to do the dishes after dinner. So I get up, I'm like, ah, stupid dishes. Like I do this all the time. My siblings don't do anything. My brother doesn't do anything. Like it's always me. I do all the work around here. But I get up begrudgingly, do the dishes, and then go off to do my homework. Did I obey my mom? Well, yeah, I did. I got up and I did the dishes, but did I honor my mom? Well, no, because the attitude of my heart was one of defiance and anger towards her. So God really had to do a work in me in shaping my heart to honor my parents because it's not just about the obedience, but it really starts with our attitudes. And I would just really encourage you that if you're here and you have been harboring anger or bitterness or defiance toward a parent, the call to honor our parents, it's a lifelong command. It doesn't just start, it doesn't just stop when you leave the house. Now, the obedience piece of your relationship with your parents is going to change. It's definitely changed a lot for me as I've transitioned out of my house and have been in college, but that honor stays the same. And I think it's kind of interesting that there seems to be a connection with the way that we're taught to honor our parents when we're young and also the way that we're called to honor God with the rest of our lives because we're called to submit to his will and to be obedient. And so I think that the more that we can practice that honor for our parents, the more equipped that we will be to honor Father God for the rest of our lives. So good. So obedience and honor aren't the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that you can obey without honoring. And yeah. honoring really is an attitude of the heart yeah. that begins. Mm -hmm. You know, what about if we don't think our parents are worthy of honor? Yeah. I mean, that is a really, really tough question. And again, I mean, I just want to encourage you that if you're here and you're in a situation at home that you think is abusive or your relationship with your parents, um, there are things going on that really just makes it so difficult for you to honor them. Reach out for help. Reach out yeah. to a pastor. Reach out to a mentor. Um, because those family relationships, they're so integral to who we are. And they shape us so much and they influence so much. And there are people who are here who want to walk beside you and help you in those areas. Because I think for all of you know, all of you know that like family relationships are hard no matter what. No matter what family you come from, every single person in this room is struggling with family relationships in some way, shape, or form. So I would really encourage you, seek mentors, seek friends who are gonna be able to come alongside you and help you in this area of your life. I love that. And um, I, I think you know, Jesus is the ultimate picture of that, right? Mm -hmm. Always honoring his father. Mm -hmm. And we are called to do that even when it might seem hard or difficult or they're not worthy yeah. of it. Ultimately, guys, none of us are worthy of God's love, right? You know, but God pursues us, engages us, not because we deserve it, mm -hmm. but because that's what he does. Yeah. And he calls us to follow him, even when it doesn't make sense. But mm -hmm. for most of you guys, a lot of you have 
amazing parents. You're really trying, they're not perfect, but they are trying to love God, trying to invest in you, trying to help you pursue the right things. Start with honor. And honor's hard. I mean, guys, I struggle with this still so much all the time because I, I was a really strong-willed kid. Like, I still am strong-willed in many ways. And so the idea of honor and submission and obedience is so difficult for me. And it was actually funny. Um, so I've been, I speak to youth groups probably about once a month, and I talk about these, these virtues and this content of what does it mean to live for Christ with our families. And it really comes back to bite me sometimes because I remember I was home over the summer, and I was, like, in some kind of argument with my mom and not being very honoring. She was like, Lissy, no, I think that you need to remember what you talk about, about honoring. And I was like, oh, darn it. I was like, I hate when she uses that against me. But it's really difficult, and it's something that I still feel like I need to work on every day. All right, so the first one's honor. Make sure you guys write that down. Second one is love. So why don't you talk about love with us? What does that look like at home? Yeah, so the verse that God really put on my heart, again, it's a really familiar verse. It's actually Mark 12, 30 through 31, and I'm sure you all have heard it before, but it goes, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As I was like reading that verse and contemplating that verse and meditating on it, um, that part love your neighbor as yourself really stood out to me. Because loving our neighbor, again, it starts with our families. And it starts with those who are closest with us. And this specifically stood out to me in my relationship with my siblings. Um, siblings can be pretty hard to love sometimes, to be completely honest. But where God really started to show me is that if I can love my siblings at their worst and be kind and learn to forgive and be gracious, then how much more can I forgive and love and be gracious and be kind to everyone else that I meet in my life? And so that, that, that action of loving your neighbor, it starts at home and it starts with our siblings. And I remember growing up, my mom would always tell me, she'd go like, Lissy, your siblings are your best friends. Everyone else is going to come in and out of your life, but your siblings are always going to be there. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, Psh, they're my best friends. Like, they certainly do not act like my best friends. But if there was a time where I was rude or like did something, my mom would be like, is that how you would treat your best friend? And I was like, well, no. I wouldn't yell at my best friend. I wouldn't hit my best friend. I wouldn't bite my best friend. And she was like, what would happen if you treated your friends the way you treated your siblings? I want you guys just to reflect for a second. What, what do you think would happen if you treated your friends the way you treated your siblings on a daily basis? For me, I wouldn't have any friends, truly. I would not. And I think it's funny because we use this term, brothers and sisters in Christ, a lot in Christian circles. Like, right, have you heard brothers and sisters in Christ? Like, pretty familiar. And it's a really positive thing, right? We're like, oh, you are my brother in Christ. Or like, you are my sister in Christ. But when that actually applies to like, if we treated each other the way that we treated our siblings, that phrase has like a completely different meaning. And it doesn't really become so positive anymore. And so really, where God, again, has began really painfully shaping this in me and convicting me of this is that really sibling relationships have two steps, and it's forgiveness and prayer. And I think for a lot of us, we assume that our family relationships are just gonna get better as soon as we leave the house. I know I thought that. 
like college for me was like an escape. I was like, if I could only get to college, all of my family problems are just going to like poof, go away. And for you, for any of you who have gone to college and who are out of the house, you know that this is not the case. And you know, I want the kind of relationship with my siblings where 10 years down the road and I'm facing a crisis and I'm in need of care that the first person I call is my sister or my brother. And I know a lot of you here would probably say that you want that type of relationship with your siblings as well. But those relationships of closeness, they don't just appear overnight. They don't just magically get there as soon as you leave the house. And so I would challenge you, in these years that you are home, what are you doing to grow and cultivate the sibling relationships that are right in front of you? Because it's such a unique and special time of life that you guys are in with your families. And once you're out of it, you're never gonna have those years back. So I would really encourage you um, to be so intentional with your siblings in the way um, you're building your relationship with them. So, so good. And, and I love how you talked about the family language of the New Testament. Like mm -hmm. we are under one father, adopted into his family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so why wouldn't that start at home? Yeah. And, and why wouldn't we treat our siblings the same way that we should treat one another? And I love that question. You know, if you treated your friends like you treat your siblings, would they still be your friends? And I know growing up, that would not be the case, mm -hmm. you know, for me. Uh, my, I'm the oldest of six kids, and so that was always a struggle in so many different ways. And those two really practical things, okay, what does it look like to love our siblings? What does it look like to love our parents? Forgiveness and prayer. Yeah. Am I forgiving them when they wrong me? And our families are gonna wrong us, guys. Mm -hmm. But also, we're gonna wrong them. So are we practicing forgiveness? Mm -hmm. And then even just to pray. Yeah. I, I love that. It's that simple. You know, we talk about praying for friends or praying for lost people, praying what. Do you pray for your brother and sister? Mm -hmm. Do you pray for your mom and dad? Do you pray for your heart attitude toward them that God would help you be able to love them? That's great advice. Yeah, and I love what you said. Like, we have these spiritual friendships with our friends and our mentors and people at school. But again, like, when was the last time that you asked a sibling to pray for you or asked how you could pray for them? And really, um, just in terms of prayer and the power of prayer in sibling relationships. I really experienced that with my relationship with my younger sister, Lainey. And so growing up, um, we shared a room. Raise your hand if you've ever shared a room with a sibling. Okay, so you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but we shared a room and we were probably ages like, I was 12 and she was eight and there was a lot of drama surrounding the room. And every time my mom would ask us to clean our room together, like literally it would end with both of us in tears and like refusing to speak to each other. But where our relationship really hit a turning point was when my parents were like, hey, I think that you guys should maybe start praying together. And so every night, like we had a like little, the we had bunk beds. Ever. Yeah, it was like <laughs> so awkward. And we had these like little bunk beds. And so I'd be on the bottom bunk and she'd be on the top and the lights would be off and be like, hey Lainey, like, think we should pray together. So I'd say literally like these words, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we didn't fight today. Um, please help us not fight tomorrow. Thank you that we're best friends. Amen. And that was it. Like that was that prayer every single night. And we got in the habit of doing that. And it got to the point where if I forgot to pray, I would hear her little eight-year-old voice from the top bunk saying, Lissy, like we need to pray together. You forgot. And I'm telling you that that small step of prayer brought healing and forgiveness to our relationship in miraculous ways. 
And I just wanna encourage you guys that taking that step to ask your siblings how you can pray for them or praying with your siblings, I'm not gonna lie, it's gonna be very awkward at first. It was very awkward for me. It's not something that comes supernaturally. Um, but I would really encourage you that if you can get in a habit of praying with your brothers and sisters, that it can dramatically change your relationship. And that even applies to, like, if you have siblings that are out of the house. Um, one of my favorite things about my relationship with my older brother, um, again, we kind of had a rocky relationship in high school. Uh, but when he left for college, we kind of text back and forth a couple of times a week. And one of my favorite things is that even to this day, about once a week, I get a text from him that says, hey, Liz, how can I be praying for you? And we kind of just send a couple of texts back and forth. We don't have this like long, drawn out, spiritually rich conversation, but just a few things like, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Here's how, can I, here's how you can pray for me. Um, I'll be praying for you. And that just small practice of getting into the habit of doing that has deepened my spiritual friendship with my brother that in ways I could have never imagined. And so I'm so grateful for that. And so I encourage you guys, if you have siblings that don't live with you or siblings that are older, send them a text. Do something small. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Um, but even those small self steps can help rebuild and heal those relationships. Yeah, I can imagine if you, you know, what would be the look on your parents' face or your brother's sister's faces like when you got home tomorrow and like, hey, how can I pray for you? You know, like that would probably like, what in the world's happening to you? They brainwashed you this weekend. But it's this, those simple things of saying, mm -hmm. okay, my spiritual life does not sit outside my family. It yeah. begins with my family. So honor, love, the third one's service. So why don't yeah. you talk about that? Yeah, so service. And this one sounds a little bit weird, but really I wanna talk to you guys about the idea of servant leadership and what servant leadership looks like. And was I, when I was in high school, um, I was super involved. I was like on every leadership team that you could be on. I was on this like spiritual discipleship group and we would come to school early about once a month and like have these prayer breakfasts where we would, you know, make pancakes and pray for the freshmen and sophomores. And I was so happy and eager to serve at school. Like never once did I complain about waking up at 6 a.m. to go serve at school. Cause I was like, oh, you know, I'm just such a servant, such a servant like going and doing all these great things, like, you know, really just serving the Lord and his kingdom. And so literally on those same days when I would get home, you know, I'd been up at six, I had been at school, I come in and my mom was like, asked me to do something. And I'm like, oh, goodness, like the nerve. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know why, but like the idea of serving in my house, I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, that is not my job. Like this is my safe space this is not the place where I'm called to serve. And that's where really God, really God started convicting me during my gap year of, you know, serving at home with a joyful heart is so much harder than serving everywhere else because you can have a heart that is joyful to serve in all of your other spheres at life, but when it comes to our home and when it comes to our families, that's where our servant heart is really tested. And that's your true gauge, okay, okay, do I have a heart that is joyful to serve those around me, to put others before myself? And a verse I wanna read for you guys is Galatians 5.13. And it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So that last part, serve one another humbly in love. And wow, is that so hard to do at home? And really it's that word humbly that really was like, 
a knife for me that just like really stuck because I also found myself when I started thinking about this and was like, okay, I'm gonna start serving at home. I'm gonna start, you know, making an effort to do that. And so I remember one day I just did the laundry and my mom like didn't ask me to do it. It wasn't like my job for the day. I was like, you know what? Goodness of my heart, I'm going to do the laundry. So I did the laundry and I found myself, my mom like didn't notice at all that I did it. And I was like, well, aren't like, can't I get some kind of affirmation for this? Like, oh, Lissy, great job. Thank you so much for doing that. It was like nothing. And I was like so upset about it. And I was like so bitter that I had done this great act of service and it had gone completely unnoticed. And again, God just brought me back to like, well, does that mean that your heart is truly joyful in serving and joyful in serving when you know that you might not get any encouragement or affirmation or no one take notice of that service. And that was something that was really hard for me. Another funny, funny story about service was that I remember another time when um, I was cleaning the kitchen and I had had a long day at school. Again, the kitchen was a mess. Everyone was busy. I was like, you know what? I am going to clean the kitchen. I'm going to practice my servant's heart and go clean the kitchen. So I go clean. I'm like doing the dishes and my older brother walks in and he's like, doesn't offer to help. He sits down, he's eating a snack, like just talking to me. And he was like, yeah, Lissy, like great job cleaning the kitchen. You're doing so good. And my mom walked in at that exact moment and she literally says, RW, like great job being encouraging. Like that is so nice of you. And completely did not acknowledge that I had cleaned the kitchen. And again, I was like so upset, so annoyed. Um, but that's not what serving others humbly in love means. And so... Yeah, it's so difficult, and it's still difficult for me now to be able to do those acts of service, and you know what, okay, even if no one notices, even if my parents don't say anything, even if my siblings don't say anything, it will be okay. Like, that's what service is about. Um, something that's, like, really practical that my, me and my siblings did when we were little, it sounds kind of corny, but my mom, she called it secret service, where, like, every day in the morning, we had to, like, get up and go do something for someone, like either make their bed or like straighten up their room or do something nice for someone. Um, but it was supposed to be a secret. Like no one say, could know are my children you. listening to this? You guys need to listen really closely. Sorry, keep going. So growing up, we always did this thing of secret service. And then it kind of stopped when we got older and we got in high school. But I realized, I was like, that is such a great thing to do, to be able to go and serve someone with the purpose of them not knowing that it was you. And so that's something that I've tried to do just like really practically in helping my heart um, just have that attitude of joy in service is to be like, okay, I'm gonna do something for someone and I don't want them to know that it was me. That's great. So, and guys, as you're thinking through some of this stuff, some of this might seem like even crazy to think about. Man, I would go home, like this, of all the things I was expecting to come talk about this weekend, this was not the thing I was thinking about. But if, if you wanna follow Jesus and be a stranger in exile, nothing will stand out more to your family or to your friends than to see the way that you honor your parents, that you love your family, that you would be willing to serve and lay down your life for them. Then you've got one other uh, just really practical application, which is honesty. So why don't you talk about that one? Yeah, so honesty. And guys, um, this is for me the hardest virtue uh, personally in my life. Um, there's this verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 23, 26, and it says, my son, give me your heart. Really, really simple, really short, but my son, give me your heart. And growing up, my parents always talked about this idea of heart connection. So kind of the heart connection between 
parent and child or the heart connection between sibling and sibling. And really what a heart-connected relationship means, so the way we kind of define it is that it's a relationship of warmth, openness, honesty, and trust. So I'll say that again. A heart-connection relationship is a relationship full of warmth, openness, honesty, and trust. And that's the kind of relationship that my parents hoped to build with me um, kind of as I was growing up and as I was going through high school. And I think for a lot of you that are sitting out there, um, your parents want that kind of relationship with you too. And so I think kind of this huge temptation when we get into the teenage years is that our culture has this idea of adolescence. Like raise your hand if you've ever heard of adolescence before. The idea of adolescence is like, okay, from the time you're 12 to 22, like, you just need to be independent. Your parents are idiots. Like, you shouldn't talk to them. You just need to be you. Don't tell them about anything. Don't share with them what's going on in your life. Like, you just need to do your own thing. Like, leave those people behind. And, like, you just got to be independent. And, guys, I just really want to speak very um, directly to that and say that I think that that is a direct spiritual attack on our God-given relationship with our parents and our God-given relationship with our families. So I wanna like play out a little scenario for you guys. So say like you're at a night of youth group and you get back and your parents pick you up and you're sitting in the front seat and your mom's like, hey, how was youth group tonight? What would you say? Good, fine. What'd you learn? Nothing, stuff. They ask you another question but you're kinda like, goodness, get off my back, mom, or like something like that. Like, why, why do we do that? Does anyone know? Like, why do we do that? Don't want to talk, maybe we're tired, but there's this, there's, I've experienced this so many times, there's this sense of, like, friction when it comes to sharing what's going on in our lives with our parents. And this really, um, this really happened so clearly for me when I was in eighth grade. And I remember, um, I was at a conference with my dad, and I just remember having this feeling of um, conviction that I really needed to be sharing with my dad what was going on in terms of like my relationship with boys. And I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. I think I maybe had a crush on a guy at church. I don't know. But I was really just feeling this strong sense of conviction that, okay, Lissy, like you need to talk to your dad about this. And so I was like going through this weekend, and I was kind of like gearing up to like have this conversation. And I remember just having this like pit in my stomach of this is the last thing in the world that I wanted to do. And I had this like anxiety and fear. And I got to this point where I was like, Lissy, like you have a great relationship with your dad. Like you love your dad. You know your dad loves you. Why is there so much anxiety and worry and fear that's like going into having this conversation? And so I was having all these feelings and eventually I like worked up the courage to talk to him about it. And that conversation, the feelings of warmth and closeness and love that I had with my dad after that conversation was better than I could have ever imagined. And I left so encouraged and so, just feeling so built up. But fast forward about a month later, it was time I was feeling that same feeling again. Okay, I need to be talking to my dad about stuff that's going on with boys. And I had that exact same pit in my stomach of, this is the last thing I want to do. And I was like, Liddy, you're being crazy. Like, the conversation was so good last time. Like, why are you having this anxiety? And again, like, pushed through those feelings, built up the courage, had the conversation, it went great. 
And like that was a continuing pattern of just having this like weird sense of like the last person that I wanna talk to about this is my dad. And it took me a couple of times to realize that that was totally spiritual attack coming against our relationship. And that Satan and the demons were trying to do everything that they could to keep me from sharing my heart with my dad and to keep me from opening up to what was going on in my life. And guys, I really believe that, you know, if you have parents that are Christians and they have a heart that wants to disciple you and wants a relationship with you, if their hearts are turned towards you and your hearts are turned towards them in a relationship full of trust and openness and honesty, there is so little that the enemy can do to tear you away from the Lord as you grow up and as you walk into adult life. But where we're at our most vulnerable is when Satan can get us to a place of isolation, when we keep all of our feelings to ourselves. And the voices that, are gonna, that went through my head was like, okay, you can talk to your friends about this, you can talk to this person about this, you can talk to this person, but you cannot talk to your parents. No, 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 they're off limits. They don't get to know this. And guys, that is so, it's directly targeted because your parents, like God has put you under your parents for a specific reason and they have spiritual authority over you and there's power in that relationship. And so as much as we can do to be honest with them and to share our hearts with them, guys, it can drastically, drastically change your relationship. And this is really hard. I know some of you might be out there saying, Lissy, like you just don't understand. My parents don't want a relationship with me. My parents don't want to talk to me. My parents don't care about what I do. They don't care about what I say. And guys, again, as we talked about before with honor, if that's you, if you're in that position, um, seek out help. Seek out another spiritual father or a spiritual mother or someone that can pour into you and disciple you um, and love you and seek out those people that can really build you up and walk with you in your faith. Um, because the relationship we have with our parents, again, it's so it's so core to who we are. And if you are in a place where you're really struggling in that area, um, don't keep those feelings to yourself. Again, we're at our most vulnerable um, when, we're, when we're in a place of isolation. And so seek help, seek the advice of others. And for those of you who maybe you have a good relationship with your parents, but you haven't been in the practice of really sharing with them, sharing with them what's going on in your life, this doesn't have to be super drastic. This can start super practically when you go home after this weekend. And you get home and your parents are gonna say, hey, how was impact? Like, hey, what, what'd you learn? What'd you do? And instead of giving them just the, yeah, nothing, stuff, whatever, it was good, give them a real answer. Like, share what you learned this weekend. Share what God is doing in your heart. And like, you don't have to go home and give your parents this like massive confession of just like laying everything out on the table. It's, go, it's hard and it requires starting small. So maybe it's like sharing with your parents what's going on at school. Maybe you're having some drama with your friends that you need to talk to them about. Maybe it is about a relationship um, that you just feel like you need some advice in or that you need to share with them. And so you don't have to jump from zero to 100 right away. It's a journey and it's a process and we can start really small in taking those practical steps um, to build that sense of honesty um, and closeness with our parents. So good. And, and I'm glad there's so much wisdom in those things that you said just from, from the Lord and from, from God's word. And, and I do just wanna highlight what she said. For some of you, you have parents who love Jesus, 
not perfect. They're trying. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to fail. Forgive them, but, but they are helping you, and, and you need to pursue these things. For some of you, you don't have good parents, or you don't have parents in the picture. Your parents don't know Jesus. They don't love Jesus. And what she said is so important. That's where the church can be a family. That's where the, the adults that are around you who brought you here can be a spiritual father, can be mm-hmm. a spiritual mother. And I, and I think for some of us who maybe are in a family context where maybe we're the only Christian, the only Christ follower, mm-hmm. so it's easier to try to pull out of that. You know, in 1 Corinthians 7, it's talking about husbands and wives, but it's the same for, for you to your parents. It says that there is an element of grace in a family's mm-hmm. life when there is a believer there. Mm-hmm. And so maybe your first and greatest mission field could just be to be the lie of the gospel at home. Mm-hmm. And like she said earlier, that doesn't mean that you put up with abuse or neglect or if there's anything like that, you need to talk to somebody right away, you know, who's here about maybe some of the things that are happening at home. But you can be a light of the gospel to your siblings, to your parents, no matter what the situation is. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for you just in, in the last 60 seconds or so we have together, what, what are... What is a next step or next steps that you'd encourage for everybody in this room as they process this and head out in a minute? Yeah, I mean, guys, this whole journey for me has been one of difficulty, and it's hard, and all the things that I talked about today, it is not easy to live that out practically, but I just wanna leave you with just this encouragement that God has put you in your specific family for a reason. He thought that you would be the absolute perfect person to be in your family. And just as Paul just shared, you know, if you're in a family of non-believers, they can look at your life and be like, there is something that is so radically different about them. They are living in a way that is so foreign and so unlike the rest of the world that they can look at you and say, I don't know what it is, but I want whatever they have. And I'd love to just close with this verse or passage in Ephesians. That has just been such an encouragement to me and something that I've gone back to. And it says, it's Ephesians 3, uh, 14 through 21. And it says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Guys, God can do abundantly more in your families than all that you ask or imagine. So I just encourage you today to start small. Ask God to change your heart, help you to honor your parents, to love your siblings, to be intentional with them, to forgive, to have a heart of service, a heart that is joyful and humble in service. And then lastly, just to have that heart of honesty that can be willing to open up and share with the people in your life. So good. So Here's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna get up and leave or anything like that. We're not gonna sing a song. But I do wanna give you a moment just to be able to pause and to pray and to take some of these things in and even think about this. So I, I don't know if you wrote this statement down. I would encourage you to. Felicity said at the beginning, who you are at home is who you really are. So here's the question. Who are you at home? Who are you at home? Has, has the light of the gospel, the love of Christ, what God has done in you, is that coming out at home? 
Is, is home a mission field? Is that a place where you see God at work? And so uh, this afternoon, you're gonna have a lot of opportunities. In just a minute, Topher's gonna come up and kind of walk us through lunch. You guys ready for some Chick-fil-A? Anybody in the house ready for that? Um, but hold on, before he does, this afternoon, you're gonna have a lot of time to process. You're gonna have opportunity to go a little bit deeper in these things through breakouts. So Lissy's actually gonna be leading a breakout on social media. How do we live as strangers and exiles follow Jesus online, on Snapchat, Instagram, all those kind of things. And so that's gonna be a great coming out of this. Like, mm -hmm. okay, how do we do it at home? How do we do it in a virtual world where a lot of us spend a lot of our time? Uh, Lissy's also gonna be, we're gonna have, hold on just a second, a breakout for ladies only and guys only where we're gonna speak to some of these more issues and you guys will be able to ask some questions and we wanna be able to help you. What does it look like to follow Jesus as strangers and exiles as daughters of the king, as sons of the king? You're gonna have time in the kneel room this afternoon to be able to pray, to kind of think through, ponder some of these things. There'll be some free time woven in, go center, all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't wanna lose this moment. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, turn off the phones, you know, just kind of disengage some person to the right or your left. And I want you to ask this question before the Lord. Who am I at home? Is the gospel bearing fruit in my life, in my relationship with my parents and my siblings? I just want you to silence this moment to ask that question and to even have a moment to pray, Lord, help me to love you well at home. Help me to love my parents well. Show honor, serve, to love, to walk in honesty. Help me to love my brothers, my sisters. I just wanna give you a moment to be able to do that. Lissy, if you don't mind, would you just pray mm -hmm. for us this morning? Dear God, thank you so much um, for everyone who is sitting in this room. Thank you for every family that is represented by the people who are here. Um, God, we know that family relationships are really hard and that you have placed us in our families for a very specific reason. And God, we know that if this is what you have called us to do in your word, if this is the mission that you have for us, that you are not going to leave us to struggle alone. And that God, that your power can be in us and working through us um, every day at home and with our families, with the people that are often the very hardest to love. And so, God, we ask for your power. We ask for your grace. God, I pray that you would redeem any broken relationships that we have with our families. God, give us a heart of forgiveness. Um, help us to lay our bitterness and our anger um, just at your throne and at your feet, God, because we know that you are the only one who has the power to change our hearts, and you are the only one who has the power to change our relationships, Lord. So we ask that you would just flood our lives and flood our families, God, with your grace and your truth, Lord. Again, thank you for um, bringing everyone here today in your name. Amen.